My mother believed and my father believed that if I wanted to be president of the United States, I could be, I could be vice president. This is America. Former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. It is my greatest honor and privilege to have been your president. We will be back in some form. We are still deeply divided. Public health experts warned this was coming unless more was done. And here we are now. Are you proud of what happened here today? Absolutely. Never before in American history has there been an uprising like this. Of the 75 million Americans who voted for Donald Trump, I don't know how many today are feeling, dear God, what was I thinking? But I would wager a lot more are thinking, let's carry on this fight. Character matters. It matters. Tell them the truth matters. The 21st century is going to be the American century. Because we lead not only by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. That is the history of the journey of America. Over the last two weeks, the world has watched as Ukraine is pummeled by invading Russian forces, refugees fleeing over the border and men returning from abroad to fight while Russia is isolated by the world in every area, including trade, global markets, sport and finance. Does President Biden have any other moves left to make or will the world be forced to stand by and watch the devastation of this peaceful nation take place in slow motion? Marion McKeown of the Sunday Business Post has seen a hell of a lot since her arrival in the States just prior to 9-11 but this has to be completely new Marion, what is uh, what has the week been like? Well, I think it's been a week of of horror and frustration and, and also I think some confusion that to me is at such a critical time inexcusable between the Department of State and the Pentagon uh, over this issue of, of the MiG-29 jets and, mm. and uh, you know, I, I think, okay, to give the US credit, the unthinkable happened in one level in that there has been a bipartisan rallying round to help the Ukraine. And that's notwithstanding that there are still staunch Putin apologists within the Republican Party at the MAGA, sort of considerable MAGA end of it, but that the, the congressional Republicans have by and large in the, in the House of Congress and the Senate come around and this, on Thursday, a bill was passed that would give $13.5 billion worth of assistance to the Ukraine now about half of that is military aid and about half of that is humanitarian and other aid, economic aid to Ukraine and, and the neighbouring countries like Poland, which is really doing heroic work. And, you know, I'm reminded of when I see what's happening in Poland, um, I, I worked during the uh, Syrian refugee crisis, which, you know, people have forgotten about Syria, that, that atrocity mm -hmm. is still going on. But I worked, I was based in Lebanon, in Beirut and on the, the Lebanese-Syrian border. And I remember Lebanon at the time, a country of only about 4 million people, taking in about a million Syrian refugees. And they could ill afford it. But the generosity of small countries who can least afford these burdens, like Poland as well, which is not a wealthy country, but in, in, you know, by the standards of America, France, Germany, etc., really taking the lion's share. I think it's about one and a half million refugees in Poland as we speak. And, and the generosity of the people, you know, that, that has to be recognised. But the atrocity and the suffering and, and What's going on uh, within Ukraine at the moment is just so appalling. And this is a playbook that we've seen before. This was what Putin did in Syria, this relentless 
targeting of civilians because it's so brutal, but it's such a brutal, but almost simple, crude complex that if you break the will of civilians, if you bomb their children, their families, their homes, and you leave nothing but destruction and agony, that their will will break, that the people will eventually cave. And if the people cave, then they don't, they're not supporting their government's bid or or their, you know, the the opposition or whoever is is trying to bring about peace and stability, that that they will just give up the fight. And that is what Putin is calculating. Mm. And I think this week he did get some, you know, we did see that, that so far, the US, I think, has done a good job of keeping the Western alliance together and, and of putting up a united face. But, you know, it's not perfect. And I think at this stage, OK, I accept you cannot do a no-fly zone. And I think I've spoken to so many people here and people who are military hawks and people who would not be military hawks and, you know, who are clear-eyed pragmatists. And they say, look, you cannot suck NATO in to a war with, by using a no-fly zone. But the alternative then was what, what Zelensky had asked for uh, was to, to get fighter jets. He said, like, just give us the jets. And the, the MiG-29s are similar to the jets because the, the Ukrainian pilots were all trained in Russian jets. And, and these are, you know, very similar. They apparently would require very little training or adaption or whatever. So, And these were offered um, by Poland. They were, but there was this caveat. Now, Poland, obviously, 1939 is clear in the minds of Poland. And and there was, I think, a lack of confidence that Poland thought, if we just send these jets into the Ukraine now, will Russia attack us? Will it attack us, given that we are, you know, providing so much, you know, we're we're providing home to the refugees, we're, we're so actively on Ukraine's side. And so they thought that the way to do it would be to send them to a US air base in Germany and that they could be flown to Ukraine from there. Uh, that Ukrainian pilots, I think, was the plan, would come and pick them up and fly them out. Now, it's a really complicated plan at the best of times, but I do understand why Poland did not want to send them into the Ukraine directly from Poland, because that would be putting Poland in really in the Russian crosshairs. But there was a, you know, there was a, a communication blunder, and it really was a blunder, which was inexcusable, because it seemed that Anthony Blinken, who is the US Secretary of State, and who I think has been very good in all this, who has been a very calm, reasonable, but tough voice in, in, in you know, and in ho- pulling together all of the countries, which is a Trojan diplomatic task and getting everybody on the same page. But it seems that he spoke without speaking with the Pentagon first, or the Pentagon. We don't really know. That's something I've been trying to get to the bottom of. But apparently... When he spoke earlier in the week, it did sound as though he were on, you know, that the US was on board with with this plan. But then apparently when when Poland, I think at the time it seemed like Poland wasn't going to come through and the US was saying, well, we do it if, you know, whatever. But then Poland did sort of call the US's bluff. And I don't mean that in a cynical way, but it came out on Tuesday and said, yeah, you can have you can have the jets. And then America was caught, I think, flat footed and the the Pentagon and and Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, said, no, we're we're not doing this. The risks are too great um, or that Putin would view this as escalatory. And to which you really do have to say at some point, look, Putin has already said that the sanctions are escalatory. Putin has already said, like, are you going to 
is every act that the, the world takes and the Western alliance takes going to be predicated on what Putin might think? Because if it is, Putin has the West where he wants them. Now, I say that not in any way that I would want to see, or that, you know, America or, or the West be reckless or rush into a situation. But I think like allowing that, you know, first of all, what's happened here is three things. You have exposed a division between the U.S. and Poland. Now, the, now Kamala Harris and the and the Polish leaders have rushed a paper over and say, look, we're all on the same page here. But that division was exposed. Putin saw that America will go so far and no further, and that for Putin is is invaluable. So, so you have, as I say, this breach. Then you have the breach between the are at the very minimum a miscommunication between the Department of State and the Pentagon in the U.S who really should have their acts together on this. They, you know, they should, their people should be talking to each other at the highest level. And then, as I said, you have this whole impotence that Putin can see that he can go in and he can bomb civilian targets. He has sieged Mariupol. There's no water, there's no food, there's no electricity. People are dying just not from bombs, but from dehydration, from cold. And that really the world is watching impotent, even as Zelensky pleads repeatedly for more and more assistance. Now, what kind of other assistance? I think that this $13.5 billion bill is a good start, but these things take a while to, to get through the pipes and to get to where they need to get to. And in the meantime, you know, these Russian troops are, are have advanced on Kiev. Now, they're, they're going to do the same thing in Kiev as Mariupol. This is the Russian playbook. This is how Russia conducts its battles with this literally brute, savage force. And, you know, you see all these innocent civilians who are just caught. And for a while, people retreated into the centre of Kiev as a way of getting away from the troops on the suburbs because they weren't able to get over to the west to Lviv and, and other places. And now they're just they're just sitting ducks and it really is heartbreaking. So, you know, it's very easy, I know, to criticise what Biden and the US and the alliance is doing. But I do think that there, this was what happened with Syria. This was what happened back in 2008 with Georgia. This is what happened in 2014 in Crimea, that people did not, the West did not want to rattle Putin's cage. And Putin realized that and gambled on it and acted on it. And, and he's doing that again today. And I think we need to be really clear-eyed about this. And, you know, is there a point at which it's a terrible gamble to say something as flippant as call Putin's bluff? But I think to say to Putin, look, we're serious too. We see what you're doing as escalatory, not just escalatory, it's war crimes that you're committing on a daily basis. And, you know, and, and really to stiffen the resolve because Russia at the moment, if you look at it, now, of course, there is fear of biological weapons. Of course, there's the nuclear threat. But if, if you look at what's happening at the moment, um, you know, you think, how much worse can it get for Ukraine? And and then there is the question, will Putin stop there when he's got Ukraine? Because look at what he's been doing over the last 20 years. Mm. You know, there was Georgia, there was the Donbass, there was the atrocious Russian war crimes in Syria. Uh, where does he stop? And at every point, he stares down the US and the Western allies and they blink first. And I think that that's largely what has happened this week, that they, that they have blinked. And, and who knows where it will go from here. 
So there you have it. That's your taste of the Irishman in America for this week with Marion McKeown. Come on over and hear the rest of the conversation by becoming a member at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad and enjoy all these conversations in full, including our feature interview every Sunday and our back catalogue of nearly eight years of interviews at patreon.com forward slash Irishman abroad. Ready? You have the cameras rolling? This is America. A lot of people who would probably consider themselves liberal have done very well financially under the Donald Trump four years. You encouraged espionage against our people. You condemn any interference by Russia in the American election. By Russia or anybody else. Russia, please, if you can, get us Hillary Clinton's emails. Please, Russia, please. To renew America, we must revitalize our democracy.